Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Tuesday morning, and we want to bring to your attention some changes in chatting with Rabbi Mike. Starting today, the show's going for a full hour. Can you imagine that? A full hour for the rabbi to tell you everything he wants to tell you, or give you more time to call in if you want to call in. Keep in mind, the call-in number is open. That number is 323-870-4095. Give us a call if you have any questions or comments. Brother. Rabbi Mike is more than happy to interact with you. Nevertheless, with that being said, let's go ahead and get today's show off the air. Not off the air, off and running. On the air. There you go. <laughs> All right, Rabbi Mike, there you go. You were just talking about Murphy's Law. There you go. My brain had a Murphy's Law. My mom did too. <laughs> Good morning, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Um, So I'm very pleased that uh, because uh, last week we weren't able to be together, that you were uh, kind enough to put uh, two shows together this week, and uh, next week we'll go we'll go back to the half hour slot. But this week we'll uh, we'll do a full hour uh, to cover the things we want to cover. Very good. Okay. And the topics today, what are they? What are they going to be? So the topics we're going to speak about today um, are we are right in the middle of the Jewish high holidays, the days of awe, the most important days of our year. And the first show we're going to talk about this first half hour, we're going to talk about the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, which we just finished celebrating uh, Sunday night and Monday night, Monday all the way. It ended Monday evening. And the second half of our of our show, the next half hour, we're going to talk about the upcoming uh, holidays. Yom Kippur. Okay, very good. All right. Well, it's all yours. Go right ahead, sir. How about... Uh, Thank you. Well, opening with a prayer. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And that was your suggestion. I think it's a lovely suggestion uh, to open and close with a prayer. So the opening prayer that I've chosen is one that we Jews say when we wake up, because it's early in the morning. Now, hopefully by 11 a.m. everybody's up, but maybe not. I hope so. Um, I hope so. so. But, uh, but it is a prayer about uh, what it means when we wake up, um, sure. and it goes like this. It's, it's, and that's translated to, I offer thanks to you, ever-living sovereign, that's, or God, that you have restored my soul to me in mercy. How great is your trust. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start with that, Etienne, is that for a long time, people didn't know what happened when they went to sleep. They thought that their soul left them when they went to sleep. And so the first thing that Jews did when they woke up in the morning was thank God that their soul had been restored to them. Now, a way to think about that is, yeah, so, and that's true. So we, we know, we know a great deal more about sleep now, but now sure. we can think about it in two ways. You know, if you are just getting up at 11, good for you. Um, but um, <laughs> if not, 
If not, then we hope that each day that you do feel that your soul has been restored to you in some way, uh, that you mm-hmm. are passionate about what you're doing, that you have your soul and you feel it there. Mm-hmm. So that'll be our open. That's our opening prayer this morning. Fantastic. So I wanted to thank you. So I wanted to speak about uh, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, okay. which we celebrated Sunday evening. We had services here at the Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas. We also had morning services on Monday morning. And we had a children's service and a Tashlich service. And I'm going to talk about all of those, so don't worry. Rosh Hashanah, <laughs> which literally means head of the year. It's, it's our way of saying the Jewish New Year. And this begins the 10-day pray, the period of prayer. And we talked about this two weeks ago, Etienne, about self-examination yes. and repentance, real reflection. Now, I had explained to you um, and to our listeners a couple weeks ago about the month of Elul, where we celebrated the, month, the holiday of Slichot. And that whole yes. month, you are supposed to be self-examining yourself and reflecting and preparing. But this 10-day period that Rosh Hashanah begins, this is... There's no playing around anymore. This is the real, real time where you have to really look back at the last year and really do some true introspection. And these days are known as Yamim Noraim, the days of awe. And you can see why they're days of awe, because these are days where Jews are walking around thinking, okay, what have I done last year that wasn't so good? And how am I going to correct it? Who have I hurt? How am I going to ask for forgiveness? And also, how am I going to make myself a better person this next year? So there's a great deal of awe and a great deal of pressure. In the Hebrew calendar, Rosh Hashanah begins on the first day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei. Last month was the month of Elul. So Rosh Hashanah, which started Sunday evening, began our month of Tishrei. And we are, because of the difference on the solar and the lunar calendar, You'll notice, uh, people will notice that Rosh Hashanah sort of moves across the calendar from year to year, sometimes in mm-hmm. September, sometimes in October, and, uh, and that's because of the difference between the lunar calendar and the solar calendar, mm-hmm. the lunar, lunar year being shorter and, and, and moving all around in that way. And uh, I wanted to give a couple origins of Rosh Hashanah so that people know really where it comes from. So if you look in the book of Leviticus, what we call the book of Vayikra, that's chapter 23, verses 24 through 25, you'll read this. In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of rest, a memorial proclaimed with the blowing of the shofar, a holy convocation. Of this day uh, became Rosh Hashanah. Um, in the in the beginning, it wasn't typically known as that, um, and I'll speak about that in a moment. About during biblical times, there were actually four times when we celebrated New Year. If you can believe that, there were four New Years in our Jewish calendar. So we had to party all year, right? So the first, party. first, um, yeah, yeah, really. So the first New Year uh, began on the month of Nisan, um, and it was called the New Year of Kings. And it was used to calculate the number of years a king had reigned. Now, obviously, we don't have to worry about that anymore. The mm-hmm. second new year was the Hebrew month of Elul, which we talked about. And that was the new year to take care of your cattle. Um, one of every ten cattle you would, you would offer as a sacrifice to God. That, so that was an important mm-hmm. new year, too. One, ten. Yeah. The first of, 
yeah, the first of the Hebrew month of Tishrei. This was agricultural. And remember that we talked about that most of Jewish holidays are based on that agricultural system. So it makes sense exactly. to, you know, whenever we, whenever we celebrate something, it does correspond in some way to the agriculture, and that's this one. And then there's the 15th, the Hebrew month of Shvat. We, we call it Tuba Shvat, which is the new year of the trees. So we had four times when, wow. uh, in ancient days when we were calculating all of these things. So it was, it's a busy, busy time. Uh, yes. To do that. So let's talk about. Uh, Excuse me, man. One second, on a, Sure, sure. One second, please. Before you go any further, just back up for our audience. You mentioned the word sufa, and I, I assume when you say they blew the sufa, I'm assuming that's the horn. Is that correct? Shofar. Yes, the the shofar okay. is is the ram, ram horn. horn? Ram it is made okay. from a ram horn. Yes, okay. it is. And we do blow okay. the shofar, and uh, and you're right, and thank you for reminding me. So uh, originally the shofar, if you read books like Joshua and those sort of things, you'll see that there is a ram's horn that's blown during military yes. conquest. So that you know that story yes. about uh, walking around the walls of Jericho and blowing the ram's yes. horn and the walls come tumbling down. Well, it was, right. it was exactly. used in that way, very, very militaristic uh, uses. Nowadays, oh. uh, we don't use it that way. Now, the, the, the blow, the sound of the shofar is meant to basically wake us up. Um, this, yes. is a, this is a really important time in our lives. We need to wake us, ourselves up uh, externally and internally. And when we hear that shofar blast, we can't ignore the awe, the importance of these days anymore. And so when we sure. hear it blown, it sounded on Rosh Hashanah, we know, okay, this is the beginning this is it's it. Serious. So well, it's serious, exactly. So we'll, we hear it. We hear it sounded on Rosh Hashanah and again on Yom Kippur. Um, but yes, thank you. Now, do you blow, um, you blow that down in the synagogue? We or do. We do actually. Yeah, we have a, a gentleman who flies in, uh, oh. knows how to do it. His name is Dan Maisler, and and he comes in every year, and he brings his own shofar, and he sounds it. Because um, okay. it's not easy to sound the shofar. So, I was wondering about uh, that. Yeah. So we, yeah, I have tried many times, ATN. I'm not very good at yeah. it. Um, so, that was my, but it, that was my next question. When everybody blowed at yeah. home, and then I said, that's going to be a really party, party town, <laughs> but it's not. Right, that's it's exactly right. Church, now, some people do. Okay. Okay, right. very good. Some, some people do, though, and, and you hear that uh, if, you, if you played the trumpet or something like that, you, you're a little uh, bit better at it, but, but it's a hard okay. thing to do. Okay. It is, yes. And actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that, uh, ATM, because um, it was the second century CE that we acquired the name Rosh Hashanah um, mm. because it appeared in our rabbinic books. But it used to be known as Yom Truah, the day of sounding the shofar. So your, mm. your question about the shofar actually was quite uh, timely because okay. that's really what we used to, t- used to call it, uh, the day of sounding the shofar. So, um, so that's what it was really about. Okay. So some of the services uh, that we did, we did a what's called Erev, Erev Rosh Hashanah, and that's the evening of Rosh Hashanah. And mm-hmm. then, and that's, that was Sunday night. And then we did a morning service in our synagogue, our Rosh Hashanah Shacharit. Shacharit means dawn. Uh, and... Then later in the day, we traveled out to Megan's Bay. We went to the beach, and mm. we did a ceremony called Tashlich. Tashlich, uh, by custom, is a ceremony that you have to do uh, 
by running water, like, you know, not still water, some sort of body of water where the water is, is cycled in and out. So it can be done okay. in a, uh, an ocean or a lake, or I think some people do it in a well, you know, anything where the water is sort of cycled out. And, and uh, tashalik means to cast out. So what you're doing mm-hmm. is you're casting out your sins into the water. So how do we do that? We take pieces of bread, we tear them into little pieces, and we put into each one of these pieces of bread in our minds a sin that we have committed over the last year. Oh, we know good. we've done we've done this. I've done this. Yes. I know I've done this. I don't want to do it anymore. And we throw it literally into the water, and that is a symbolic yes. gesture of us yes. trying to remove ourselves, literally mm-hmm. cleansing ourselves of yes. these bad habits, of these sins that we've done. Fantastic. So, yeah, so everyone lines up at the beach, and the weather uh, was with us yesterday, thank God, and yes. we were stood by the beach. We did a little ceremony. We sang a few songs, a few prayers, and then we took some bread. I handed out some bread, and people, and it's a very reflective sort of private moment, you yes. know, that they, yes. they thought for themselves what they wanted to do, what were the sins that they felt they had committed and and, you know and you you take them out and you throw them into the water so um i even uh bent down and i gave my son asher who's 18 months a couple pieces of bread to throw in the water (laughs) i don't know what he's done but uh but i wanted him to at least share in the in the ceremony Uh, yeah but that's one of my favorite ones yes yeah exactly that's one of my favorite ceremonies yes indeed so he knows what it was And the reason why it's one of my favorite ceremonies is because it really does connect something that is introspective and something in our minds to something physical uh-huh. and active that you can you can understand. So anyone could show up, you know, Jew, Christian, Muslim, yes. whoever it is, and understand what what we're trying to do here. We're, you know, if you take the religiosity out of it, what we're trying to do is make ourselves better people, tearing off these pieces of bread, throwing it into the water. Um, and it's really a, a, an open sort of ceremony that we can that we can share. So that's one of the things I really I really liked about it. Good, thanks for sharing that. Good. Um, on Rosh Hashanah, we typically uh, eat some special foods that we do. Uh, one of the foods that we eat is a combination of apples and honey. And we traditionally dip the apples into the honey. And what we're doing here out of, out of tradition or custom, rather, uh, is that we are eating sweet foods to remind us the wishes that we will have for this year, that it would be a sweet year for us. So that the sweetness of the, the honey and the apple reminds us of what lay ahead in terms of what we can have the sweetness of our year as, as hope. And that's one of the things that we do. And the kids love to enjoy that anyway, because it's just delicious. So, mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that we do. The other uh, customs in terms of food is that we, we normally on Shabbat, we bake um, our bread, our special bread, which is called challah. And normally it's just wrapped up in a certain way and it's, and it's challah. But on Rosh Hashanah, when we bake our challah, our special bread, we bake it into a shape of a circle. And the reason why is, you know, you can probably understand is that when the new year comes, we think about the cycle yes. of life and the yes. cycle of years. So yeah. all these things, I hope you can see, ATN, are, are very sort of ritualistic but symbolic 
gestures here so that everything that we do is, is accompanied by a, a, some symbolism that you can remind yourself, either even if you're sitting down to a round challah and apples and honey, there's nothing really religious about that. There's custom about that, but you remember those things that it's going to be another year. There's a cycle of it. There's apples, there's honey. And that's really um, one of the things that I love about it is that anyone of any age starts to gather those symbols and they go, oh, yeah, I remember the round challah. I remember uh, the apples and honey. I remember throwing the bread into the sea. And those are the things that stick with us. And after that, yes. after they get older, they, you can teach them the liturgy of it all and, and a little bit uh, deeper things. But it's a very, Rosh Hashanah is a very easy holiday to celebrate with kids. There's lots of things that they can understand or take part of, take part in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I talked for a little while, Etienne. Do you have any questions for me so far? Questions, questions. Yes, I do have a question. I was waiting for a pause time. Yes, now you yeah. put enough time. I noticed you said uh, you refer to the synagogue as the Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas. When is it appropriate to call it a synagogue, or is it a temple, or what is the appropriate word? Thank, thank you for asking that, uh, Etienne. So the, the, the name itself, Let's start with the word synagogue. Synagogue okay. uh, is actually, it's a, it's a Greek word, and it means gathering okay. place. And that obviously oh. comes from when it was uh, originated in, in the first and second century CE. But we still use it today because that's really what I, uh, I guess I'll use the term, a synagogue is. It is a place for Jews to gather. And just like uh -huh. churches and mosques around the country, yes. it's yes. a place that used to be the center of People's worlds, you know, the synagogue was at the center of town. So was the, the church was at the center of the Christian towns. And it really was a place where everyone would gather. And that's what it is. So there is uh, that's really uh, the term that you'll hear a great deal. Okay. The other term that you were speaking of is the word temple. Now, temple, yes. some some synagogues do call themselves a temple and some don't. And the reason is that. There used to be a great temple in Jerusalem, uh, two of them actually, before they were destroyed by the Babylonians in, in 587 and the Romans in 70 CE, but those were the temple. And so there's this longing for the, the third temple, the, you know, when, when we can all be together and build a third temple, whatever oh. that means, um, oh, yeah, yeah. so in, in Israel. Now... Yeah. Judaism obviously has, has evolved over the past 2,000 years, and a great deal of, oh, yeah. of Jews who, you know, who live outside of Israel have no interest in rebuilding a temple in Israel because they're just fine in America or Europe or wherever, wherever. it is. So they, exactly. don't, they don't need uh, the great temple or they don't want it. So instead, yes. they, they built for themselves a synagogue, and they call it a temple to say, you know, this is our temple. We, we live oh, in America or we live in Europe, and this is going to be our temple. We don't need to rebuild this big thing. This is ours because this is where we live. Now, other Jews okay. will tell you that, that that's, you shouldn't do that because that gives a false name to, you know, that's not the great temple and it's not the big temple, so you should call it a synagogue. But, it, you know, the truth is for me, it doesn't really matter to me as long as what goes on is that you find a yes. wonderful place where families can come in and worship. I don't care if it's called a temple or a synagogue. Um, but, that's, um, but those are the two terms. And just like any any church or anything else, you know, like 
take the church down the street. The church down the street is called the St. Thomas Reformed Church. Yes, and it's called Best Reformed. Right. So yes. it is a church, but its name is the St. Thomas Reformed Church. But there are also churches that are called uh, St. Peter, St. Paul, or yes. um, Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow, or whatever it is, you know. Um, and just health, like yes. that, right, exactly, perpetual health, right. Um, just like that, our synagogue has a name, and it's called the Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas. Sure. Now, okay. that's the English name. That's the English name for it. The Hebrew name is Kahal Kadosh, uh, Bracha, mm-hmm. Vishalom, Vigimilud Chasadim. That's the Hebrew name. Wow. And, and what it's translated to is the Holy Congregation of Blessing, mm-hmm. Peace, and Loving Deeds. So that's really oh, our that's full wonderful. name in Hebrew. Yeah, 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 it's pretty cool. Yeah. Is that written anywhere so, on, on, on the synagogue? It is, it is, it's re- it is, it is. It is written in Hebrew. Um, oh, on, Hebrew? Uh, oh. I think on the plaque, yeah, yeah, okay. on, on the plaque. I'll have to but go but I, whenever you get an email, whenever you get an email from me, it's it's down at the bottom there. Okay. Um, it's in the okay. Hebrew and in the and the English so that people know the full name. Because, you know, a lot of people call it the St. Thomas Synagogue, which is it's yes. a fine name for it, but it's not the true name of it. It's just St. Thomas yes. Synagogue. Yes. But people know of it as the synagogue in St. Thomas. Right. But the, the truth of it is it has a name. So, you know, we want to call it that. Well, so. I have to brush over my uh, on my Hebrew. I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Now at a, <laughs> I'm now at 98% ignorant of Hebrew. But I'm two percent learning. Okay. So I got a long way to climb. <laughs> okay, well, I'll help you get there. All right, I'll help you get there. And you, you I have another quick question for you before we go yes. for a little break. What about the difference between custom versus tradition? I always thought the Jewish faith was built on tradition, but you were able to so the, differentiate. It's a it's a wonderful wonderful question. So there are two ways that Jews follow. Uh, following their ways. One is called halacha, and that's law, Jewish law. And the other is called okay. minhag, minhag, which is, uh, can be translated as either tradition or custom. Uh, but, but each of these terms have evolved over the years as well and are different depending on the denomination that you are in. Mm-hmm. So you're right that a great deal of what we do is built upon minhag, built upon customs and traditions, sometimes, ATN that had nothing to do with religion in the first place, sometimes simply had to do with where they were living at the time and what the customs that they sort of picked up along the way have now, they've been inserted into our religious history, and we have given religious explanations for them. Um, on, the other, on the other side, our halakha, which are laws that come from the Torah and laws that come from the rabbis and the rabbinic texts that we read um, through up to the fifth century, and then and then again in the fifteenth century, um, and, and even even today, people are still writing halakha. Rabbis are still writing law. So uh, we ba- we try to balance out those two, in that we know there are things that are that are supposed to be done in terms of law, and things that are really really important that show us how to be Jews um, as minhag. So I'll give you an example: the kippah, okay. the yarmulke, which we talked about. That's a custom. That's a minhag, right? There's no, there's nothing in law halakhically about wearing a kippah. It simply was an evolution of of a of a, a cover for the head that now 
we are able to input religiosity too to say now okay. it's about knowing how humble we are in front of God. But the truth is it evolved out of something that people used to wear. Um, and now out of tradition here, it's still with us. Yeah. Okay. And not only did yeah. I notice that the, the the Pope does, but even our local bishop wears a yarmulke. Interesting. That is true. That is true. And, and just yeah. like uh, our Muslim yeah. friends and our Christian friends, you know, uh, yeah. take take some of the things that they've learned from us and evolve it into their own understandings. And therefore, yeah. uh, they they have their own understanding of the kippah, the yarmulke. Uh, I don't even know yeah. if they call it that. Um, but but you can see them wearing it. it. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know what they call it. I'll have to find that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, well, we've got about really... a couple more minutes, right? Three, four minutes before yes. we'll break for Yom Kippur. Yes. So that's a great. Oh. I wanted to talk about um, that we read the Torah, our five books of Moses on Rosh Hashanah. And we read the Torah every week. But this particular reading is a special reading for Rosh Hashanah, a special reading that we read particularly for this day. And the Torah reading for Rosh Hashanah that we read, we chanted out of the Torah uh, yesterday morning, was from Genesis 22, verses 1 through 19, and it's called the Akedah, or the Binding of Isaac. Etienne, do you know the story of the Binding of Isaac? Not quite. I don't recognize it. I realize it. So there's a story... There's a story in Genesis that God comes to Abraham and tells Abraham he has to sacrifice his son, yes, his Isaac. Son. Yes, yes, right? yes, I know what you mean. That's right, that's yes, right. So when we say, right, so when we say binding of Isaac, it means that he was he was bound on the altar, right, on, on the okay. sacrificial altar. Yes, literally, yes, um, yes. Right, all, literally, yeah. So that's the one that we read. And, uh, you know, it's tradition that we read it that way. And there's, there's different histories as to why I read it that way. But it has a great deal of imagery about sacrifice, about faith, about trust in God. Um, you know, obviously Abraham did not sacrifice Isaac. God stopped him. He just was testing yes. his faith. Um, yes. And so while God tested Abraham's faith, I think it's fair to say that our faith is tested each year at Rosh Hashanah because of all the things we've been through and we need to get ourselves centered. Where are we before we begin the next year? So that's what, to me, that's all what I feel about it, about why we read that particular thing. Yeah. I mean, everyone else have, there, there are other perspectives, there are other interpretations, but the idea of self-sacrifice, the idea of trust and faith and, and things like that, those are big, big deals for us here at Rosh Hashanah. So, uh, so that's, that's what I think that we want to do that. Um, and we've got one one more minute before 11:27. So um, the other thing that we read is uh, is Genesis one is is the first uh, is the first Torah uh, reading in the entire Torah, and that makes sense too because we're going to start it right over. We're going to start right from the beginning. Um, so we read the story of creation um, on uh, uh, on Rosh Hashanah if we want to as well. Okay, so that's Rosh Hashanah, Etienne. Fantastic, fantastic, excellent job. I am learning so much. Thank you ever so much for sharing that. Yes. My pleasure. And we are going to take a little break. And great. I want to remind our audience that we can have, you can call in audience. Our number is 323-870-4095. Give Rabbi Mike a call. He'd be more than happy to answer your questions. I can point you to him, but I can't answer the questions. He'll be the one to answer the questions. <laughs> so let's right. take a break, get some music on, and go back to Rabbi Mike. I call him Cuz. He's my cousin now. <laughs> Thank you, Cuz. Okay, Cuz. <laughs> 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 
And we're back. We're back continuing with chatting with Rabbi Mike. As we go into our next segment, we will listen to Rabbi talk about Yom Kippur. Very good. Hi, yeah, go. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you. And I want to thank you for playing that music which I had chosen for you to play. And that's a a piece, and it was just a beautiful piece that was done. Um, and uh, it's called Kol Nidre. That's what it's called. K-O-L-N-I-D-R-E. Kol Nidre. And uh-huh. that is a prayer that we're going to hear on Yom Kippur. And I thought it'd be nice for our listeners to to get a little preview about what it is. And Kol Nidre is a very important prayer of Yom Kippur. And I want to just just talk for a second about that and then we'll talk about the basics of Yom Kippur just like we did for Rosh Hashanah. Sure. Kol Nidre sure. means all all our vows, our vows, V-O-W-S, all vows. Um, and it's about the oaths and the obligations that we have done or sworn or pledged um, where we're sort of bound to. Obviously, it's an old uh, old custom in terms of how vows used to be. We ask God that we repent and that they may be deemed absolved or forgiven or annulled um, and not bind us. And what, what that really is about is, is that we have a, an opportunity to start over and that anything that, you know, uh, internally or externally, we have an, the, the new year starts us completely over um, and that everything that we had, you know, all of our promises, you know, those those things that we wanted to get to, um, let's we take them off the table and we're going to start new on this day. So that's what that song is really about. And it's done so beautifully with the choruses and there's also cello compositions and beautiful, beautiful wow. things. So I thought that'd be nice. Um, so let's start off. Let's start with the basics of Yom Kippur. So let's talk with about the meaning first. Yom Kippur, the meaning of it is Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement, and this is our annual Jewish observance of fasting, prayer, and repentance. So this is the day where, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you this way, Etienne, because, you know, just like uh, Christmas or Easter for our Christian friends, this is the yes. day where you see all those people you haven't seen all year, and all of a oh, sudden yeah. they're there. They're they're coming in, and we need, we need more chairs for them. You know, out of nowhere. That's yeah, there they are. You know, oh, I haven't seen you since last year. That's when they all come in because this is the prayer of the year. This is the the holiday of the year that they're going to come to. It's the biggest day, um, and um, and it occurs uh, this this month, uh, air of Yom Kippur, the evening of it, where it begins, is Tuesday, October 11th. And our services at Hebrew Congregation begin at 6.30 p.m. And then all day on Wednesday the 12th, starting at 10 a.m., we've got services. We've got services at 2.30, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Um, there's lots and lots of services because that's how big of a deal it is. So, it, so th- you know, I want to get across, this is the holiday. Um, if you ever want to see uh, really what Jewish prayer is, you know, this is the day to sneak in. Uh, and see really what it's about. And uh, here at the Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas, we light 
the candelabras, the real candelabras with the candles, and we turn down the lights so that you really get that sense of what it used to be like back in 1833 when they opened the doors, when they didn't have electric lights, and they, 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 they lit the, the candles themselves. So it's really a, a moving, moving evening. Uh-huh. Interesting. So this is the day Thank that you. we... This is a day, sure, this is a day that we fast. We don't eat because when we fast, we are able to put aside uh, things that we would concentrate on, like food, physical desires, and focus everything on our spiritual needs, prayer, repentance, and self-improvement. These are the things that we want to focus on so we don't eat. Now, there's lots of things um, in many religions about when you fast and reasons why you fast, but this is one of the fast days uh, in... uh, in Judaism, and it's a time to dedicate our every part of ourselves, mind, body, and soul, to reconciliation with God. So, uh, any not just with God, but with human beings and with ourselves. Uh, this is the day where we let it all go. We're very vulnerable. We admit that we've been doing things wrong. We want to do better. We ask for forgiveness from God. We ask for forgiveness from our friends and people we may have hurt. And we have to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done. We're not perfect human beings. We have to let ourselves, give ourselves the space to change and, and forgive ourselves and stop being so hard on ourselves and realize that everybody makes mistakes. Um, and, um, you know, when I was studying in, uh, to, to work as a pastor and a, a chaplain, rather, in the hospital, I had a wonderful teacher there. And she said, she said, Mike, you're shooting all over yourself. And that's S-H-O-U-L-D, just to let you know in case you didn't hear it. <laughs> should. Shooting. I, I want to make sure. It's shooting all over yourself. I've been saying to yourself, I should have done this. I should have done yeah. this. I should have done yeah. better. I should have known better. And she said, Mike, you're shooting all over yourself. Excuse me a minute. Excuse me. It's equivalent to yeah. what if, what if, what if. Right, right. What if I had only, had I only, whatever it is. So, um, and again, for our listeners, just to let you know, it is, I'm saying the word should. Um, So, um, so, right, just, I don't want to get you to come here. So, right, right. So I love that. And that's really what uh, Yom Kippur gets us to think about is what have we shoulded before? What have we been saying? Ah, we should have done this. We should have done this really to give ourselves the space to forgive ourselves and say, listen, we're going to do better this year. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to really figure out what we can do to make ourselves better because, as we know, learning never stops. Self-improvement never stops. We, everything that we pick up along the way, we're able to learn and, and, and be better at. Um, so, so that's sort of the uh, aura about it, about really the, the air that you'll feel around Yom Kippur. But I'll give you some, some history as well as okay. I did for Rosh Hashanah. So in the Torah, it refers to Yom Kippur as Shabbat Shabbaton, which means the Sabbath of complete rest. And you'll read in the rabbinic text, the Talmud, the 5th century text, Yom Kippur is simply known as Yoma, which means the day. That's how important it was. It was simply called the day. Um, so um, since the destruction of our temple, uh, Yom Kippur, which focused on atonement, 
Um, that was really the focus, uh, to turn inward. Uh, and one of the things that was, it's interesting, of course, is that it wasn't always that way because when the temple stood, there was a whole deal of rituals and sacrifices and priests and all kinds of things that we don't see anymore. And one mm -hmm. of the things that the priests would do is they would give a sacrifice, an animal, obviously, animal sacrifice, um, on behalf of the people. You know, they, that's how the, the cultic idea of, of religions at that time believed that if we sacrifice something, we make God happy. And so we would do what's called a spiritual cleansing of our people, and they would do it for us. Um, but obviously we can't do that anymore. Um, but instead, we practice prayers and we do liturgy and those sort of things. Um, so there is, there is a idea uh, that the gates, when I say the gates, uh, I'm talking about, uh, you know, the big gates are open uh, between Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur. And so those are the gates that are open that we can speak to God and try to do well for ourselves. And they close on Yom Kippur. And, and that's at Yom Kippur, when the doors close, when the gates close, we hope that the image that God has of us is the best image for the year. We, we correct all of our wrongs. And then until the book is opened again, you know, uh, next year, we try to do oh. our best. Makes a lot of sense. So that, yes, yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, you know, like a business sort of closing out their books at the end of the year, making sure they're even. You know, they're making sure everything is on the up and up. That's what we're doing with ourselves. We're taking, a, yes. you know, uh, that sort of a self audit uh, to make sure that when we close out this year, you know, obviously we've made mistakes, but we can correct them you know, where we can ask for forgiveness so that the next year when we begin, we're, we're beginning clean, you know, clean and clear. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. okay. So there are some prayers that are said on Yom Kippur, some big ones, and I'll, I'll talk about them. One of the prayers that is said is called Avinu Malkenu. And we stand in front of our open ark in front of the Torahs and we sing Avinu Malkenu. Avinu Malkenu means literally our father, our king, and we're talking about God, but because uh, we've moved into a world where, quite, quite rightly, as we should, uh, we don't want to put masculine attributes to God. Uh, that's just simply how it was. Our father, our king, was sort of common to do that. So now we just say our parent, our ruler, because we want to show these symbols of God as our ultimate parent, our ultimate prayer, but it doesn't matter how you view God, whether masculine or feminine or no, no gender at all. So though Avinu Malkenu in Hebrew literally means our father, our king, when we say Avinu Malkenu now, we're really saying our parent, our ruler. Um, and, that's a, and that's the things that we wish for God to do for us. You know, we'll say Avinu, Avinu Malkenu, uh, Shema Kolenu. Avinu, so we'll say our parent, our ruler, hear our voices. Hear our voices that we are calling out that we're we're sorry, you know, we're reaching out to God. So it's a very powerful prayer in that way. Um, Excellent. This next one, this next one, I think you're going to like a lot, Etienne. There's a prayer okay. called Al-Chet, and uh, it's A-L-C-H-E-T, Al-Chet. Now, Chet, C-H-E-T, not, uh, not H-A-T-E, by the way, C-H-E-T, Chet, um, is the Hebrew term for sin. Um, but the origin of the word 
is pretty cool. The origin of the word literally actually means like a mark, like a um, like a target on a uh, where you'd shoot an arrow. Yes. And when you sin in Hebrew, Kate, you miss the mark. You miss the target. Uh-huh. So it's really an archery term that we've taken to really mean something more inwardly. So when we make a mistake, when we sin, it's like we've just, we didn't quite hit the target. We, we've missed the mark a little bit. And that's, that's the concept of sin uh, for Jews. And that, you know, it, it, it's, we, were, we were trying to head in a certain direction, and we got a little off, off track a little bit. Um, and that's really that's really what it is. So um, I'm not sure if you'll find a, a cooler origin for sin than an archery term, but that's we've got it. So um, I thought yeah. that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, never never heard it put that way before, but it makes sense. Yeah, and and I like that idea that you know people you know, and I think that every religion interprets sin differently, but the idea that it's called chet, that it's called al chet to to miss the mark. Um, really shows what Judaism says about the understanding of human nature in that, yes. you know, we're, we're going to try our best. We're going to aim as best we can. But you know what? Sometimes we miss. So yes, we can always try again. So I like that a lot. Hmm. On, on um, Yom Kippur, you will hear Jews say a phrase, and they'll say, Gemar Chatima Tova. And what that means is a good final sealing, S-E-A-L-I-N-G, sealing. And what are we talking about? We're talking about that we hope that we are sealed in the book of life, that we have, our names have been written in the good book, sealed in the book of life, so that God will remember us as a good person. Um, And so we say, Gamar Khatimatova, we hope that, when you know when the final seal is made about who you are, the judgment about who you are from God, we we hope that it's a good one. Yes, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Ah, okay. So here's another great term that I wanted to talk to you. The idea of we talked a lot about repentance and forgiveness, right? So I thought it'd right. be best to give you it in in Hebrew. So the word in in Hebrew. For repentance is teshuva, and that's T-E-S-H-U-V-A-H, teshuva. And what's the origin of teshuva? Teshuva literally means to turn, to turn around. So when you are repenting and you are asking for forgiveness, you are turning yourself away from bad behavior, literally turning yourself around, turning your soul around and practicing teshuva starting out a new beginning. And that's that I thought was a pretty cool thing also. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Learning so much. I'm glad. I know it's a lot. It's a lot that I'm putting, but it's <laughs> putting good. together. No, no, it's good. Yeah. You, you put it together in a way that a lay person like me would have no idea what Hebrew sounds like or even what it means can understand what you're talking about. So that's good. I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. That's Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure, sure. I'm glad. I, I hope that what I'm trying to do is just that: is be able to. There's a lot yeah. of heavy and and historic yes. concepts to these things, just like in any religion. 
But I do want to yeah. make it so that anybody can walk into a synagogue and they, they yeah. hear something, they can say, oh, I have a basic idea what that is. Because yes. in Judaism, exactly. we, we don't want to block anybody out. We want people to be able to come in if they want. And obviously not everybody speaks Hebrew or reads Hebrew or whatever it is. Um, some, yeah. Most of my congregants some don't speak Hebrew. But, you know, what, uh, what I want them to be able to do at least is to understand what are the themes that we're trying to get across. What are, what are those things? And so uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that as a rabbi. So, Etienne, what are some one, other questions you have for me well, about, one, uh, about Yom Kippur? Well, not so much a question right now, but a comment. Not only are you helping to educate the, uh, the masses, our audience, but we are now getting a better understanding that although it's spoken in Hebrew, the concepts are still the same. We... Realize oh, yeah. as a, pers- a person, a being, an entity greater than we are. And he's the one who created us. He's the one who rules over us. Our job is to satisfy him, let him know that we are being obedient obedient to him. And sometimes it gets across and sometimes it doesn't. But from what I've learned from what you've been saying so far is there is a way to really make it happen and understand that we are human God is more than human, and we have to acknowledge that. And I couldn't say if I went to a university to learn Hebrew, the only thing I would have learned it as well as I'm learning it right now. Thank you. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, you're right, yeah. Adrian. I mean, these are the these are the things that we need to realize about our mortality, but also are the humility that you know what we're not yes. perfect, and we shouldn't go for perfect. Exactly. You know, the perfect. The archetype of perfection, the archetype of morality is, is in Jewish belief and is God. And so we can try our, our best to get as close as we can to that perfection, but we know we're not going to ever, ever get there. Um, exactly. So that's why we have things like Yom Kippur to say, hey, let's start over this year. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'm going to be a better person this year. Um, for, so, for all the people on this earth who have lived in this earth, there's only one man who was 100% perfect. Look what happened to him. Okay? Who is that? So the rest of us are imperfect beings. <laughs> so I, who are you speaking about, Etienne? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I speak about Jesus Christ, of course. Who was crucified? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's true yeah. in Christian belief. That's true in Christian belief. Yeah. That is, Christian And that's belief. a fine thing to recognize. Yeah, yes. that's a fine thing to, uh, under Christian belief. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good. Uh, so what else can I tell you? Um, so Yitzkor, there's a word Yitzkor, Y-I-Z-K-O-R. And Yitzkor means to remember. And one of the things that we'll do on Wednesday for Yom Kippur, not tomorrow, but a week mm-hmm. from tomorrow, is we'll have what's called a Yitzkor service. And that's a day that we're going to remember all of the people who have come before us, all of the people who have passed away uh, in years past and people who have contributed to our synagogue by being there and and been a part of our community. And so as we think about the, the last year, we should think about what it's like to not have these people with us, you know, how great it would be if they were with us. Um, how we miss them sitting in the pews next to us, but also that that is a part of life and that with each year we lose more friends, we lose more family and the cycle of it all. Mm -hmm. And, but we gain uh, children and grandchildren 
Uh, and that's something to remember is that, you know, again, with our mortality, that we remember uh, all of those people that we may, may have given a thought here or there to, but maybe it's been years and years and years. Um, but this is the day when we're really inwardly focused. So we want to think about those people, too. So there's a whole service at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, uh, the, the 12th, called the Yitzchor service, where you walk in, and that's all you do. You remember, and you, there's, there's important prayers and liturgy all about it. Um, and that, that's at 4 o'clock. The, the other services are 10 a.m. and 2.30. Those are pretty standard Yom Kippur services. Um, and then our service, our final service, is at 5 p.m. Um, and uh, and that's, that service is called Ne'ila. That's N-E-I-L-A-H. Uh, which means locking. So again, we're seeing that uh, this imagery of the gate, right? The the gate closing and locking, as in it's done. Like I, we hope you've done everything you can, but the gates are locked. Try again next year. You know that's that's really Ooh, what Nila is. Yeah. And of course, right after Nila, we get to go mm-hmm. eat. We've been fasting <laughs> for 24 hours, so we yeah. get to break the fast. And where we Bring do a potluck food. dinner and we break the fast. Yeah. yeah. Break the fast. Yeah. That's why we got the word breakfast. Exactly. That's exactly it? right. That's a, yeah. that's what it is. Break fast. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. So it's not going to be, um, you know, eggs and pancakes. Just to let people know it's, yeah. that's breakfast. But this is break the fast. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, one of the things that I'm also excited about uh, are two services that are going to happen uh, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, so Saturday is a great program at the Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas. We have with us a visiting cantor. Uh, her name is Yvonne Shore, and she's going to teach us some music and some and some Jewish music and that kind of things on on Saturday the eighth um, up in our Lillianfeld house. So if you if you want to learn Jewish music or uh, hear Jewish music um, or learn the history of Jewish music, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fun fun thing to come to, and that's going to be at 10 a.m. on the eighth. Um, on Sunday, on Sunday the 9th, remember I talked to you about Yitzchor, uh, the remembrance service at 4 p.m. on the 12th, yes. but we're going to have mm-hmm. two individual Yitzchor services actually at our historic cemeteries on Sunday the oh. 9th. Okay. So at, at 9 a.m., we're going to do a service at Savan Cemetery, and at 10 a.m., we're going to do one at Altona Cemetery. And we're going to stand in front of our cemetery, in front of the graves, and we're going to do a very special service where we take the time to remember all of those who have passed away. So, again, you know, for people who who have never been to these historic cemeteries, which date back to the early 19th century, um, you know, this is a time, uh, this is a time to come and see. I'm glad you mentioned the cemetery in Savannah. Uh, because that's kind of hidden away back there, and no one really realizes it's there unless it's brought to our attention. Uh, that's right. That's right. In, in, in the short time we have left, do you can you share the history of that cemetery? So one of the the first thing that a Jewish community does when it moves to a new place is build mm-hmm. the cemetery. So the really? Saban Cemetery, yeah, and 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 that's the first thing that they build even before a synagogue, because oh. the ritual of setting down your roots. Um, and making sure that there is a place for your loved ones who will pass on. That's the most important thing you can do. So Saban mm-hmm. Cemetery was built at the first moment that a uh, congregation was put together here. 
1796. So, um, and that was filled uh, finally into, I think, 1865 or something like that was when we, op- we ran out of space. Uh, Savan Cemetery, as you've seen it, it's a little small. So we bought yeah, a new cool. piece of land in Altona uh, called the Altona Cemetery so from there from 1865. And what's really amazing is that uh, you'll see graves dating back from the mid-19th century all the way up until earlier this last year we, we buried someone up there. So there's this uh, extension of generations to generations here that are happening in these historic cemeteries. Um, and it's rare that something like that, yes. that you'll walk around the cemetery and you'll see 2015 and you'll see 1875 or whatever it is at the same one. Yes. So it's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Until you pointed it out yeah. today, I never never realized that the Savannah was the first cemetery. I always thought it was the one on the, the Altona Cemetery because that's the most visible one. It is. It is. But Savan was first. Yeah, Savan was first. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Todd. So we've got about um, a couple of minutes left. A couple of minutes yeah, um, to wrap up. A yeah. couple of minutes left to wrap up. So I wanted yes. to uh, invite um, any of our local listeners um, to let them know that they, of course, welcome to any of these services. We have Friday night services on Friday, October 7th. Uh, we have that great song uh, session and learning session on Saturday the 8th at 10 a.m. in our Lilienfeld house. 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday the 9th, we'll do Yitzgore Remembrance Services at Savan and Altona Cemetery. And then Erev Yom Kippur. We really hope that a lot of people can come to Erev Yom Kippur Services Tuesday night the 11th at 6.30. Uh, And then Wednesday on the 12th, if you'd like to spend Yom Kippur with us at the synagogue, We'll be there from 10 a.m. to noon. We'll, we'll start again at 2.30, and we'll go all the way up until 6 o'clock. Um, and everybody is always welcome to come sit in our pews um, and enjoy the music, enjoy the atmosphere, and we hope that they will do that. Um, and before my uh, my closing prayer, ATN, was there anything else you wanted to mention uh, yeah, about things? Well, no, but uh, I wanted to ask you about the uh, prayer break prayer breakfast you are invited to be a speaker for the delegates yes so congresswoman thank you congresswoman stacy plaskett has invited me and a few other pastors uh to come on saturday the 15th uh to victor's uh hideout um and it's a it's a wonderful breakfast it's a prayer breakfast where we're we're going to give some prayers about the home and the family and things like that and enjoy some food together as a community uh, but uh, I'm, I'm very humbled to be honored that, wow. that morning for contributions to the to the community, um, and it was Fantastic. very very lovely for them to do that. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to have you announce it. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Well, great. Let's wrap so, up with uh, our closing prayer. All right, my closing prayer uh, is a prayer that comes from uh, words from Isaiah, chapter two, verse four. And in Hebrew, it is Lo Yisagoy al Goy Cherev, Lo Yimadu Odmil Chama. And this is the prayer that I have uh, for all of us. And it means, Nation shall not take up sword against nation. May they never again know war. And that is the prayer that I have for today that there will be peace, that we will put down our swords, and there will never again know what war is one day. Okay. 
Mike, I'd like to go ahead and uh, close out with the canters again. Cole Nigre, would that be appropriate? Cole Nigre, Cole Nigre. Yeah, please, by yeah. all means. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and do that. We'll wrap up with that. We want to thank you, Mike, for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today and share lights on the history, the evolution, the practice of the Hebrew congregation of St. Thomas. Thank you, Mike. Until next Tuesday. Thank you, ATM. You're welcome. You're See welcome. you next Tuesday. Bye. Next Tuesday. All right, folks, we're going until next Tuesday. All the best to you. Take care now. Bye-bye. Mike, are you still there?